You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Next Trek Podcast. My name is Chris. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Kate. And it's time again for the Geek Card Check. Every episode, we're going to dive into a geeky TV show, movie, or other property that one of us or more hasn't seen and decide if it's required and decide if it's required viewing for you to keep your geek cred. This week, we're going to be talking about 1985's Brazil, directed by Terry Gilliam. Now, this is one that we had been putting on Twitter and got a lot of responses back for, and so we're really excited to talk about it this week. All right. Guys, Brazil. This movie uh, is pretty straightforward. It's not really all that weird. It is a kind of just a really mellow, yes, slow, super straightforward, nice and chill. Yeah, you and saw so the same short. movie I did, right? Short. Yeah. So like, short. Kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really, it doesn't drag or no, no, no. All right, so what do we think of Brazil? I'm really excited to talk about this because this movie is, you know, putting all joking aside, really kind of weird. Um, oh man, it's and, strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is strange. So I'm really excited to dive into it. I feel like I'm very ill-equipped because I haven't done much research. I'm hoping one of you guys have, like maybe dive dove a little bit deeper into some things because I just I feel really ill-equipped to talk about this movie because I know there are so many levels uh, that you can dive into. This movie is incredible. I hadn't seen it. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what what is about. I didn't know anything. And then I realized it's starring Jonathan Price, which I didn't know. Yeah. Suddenly, Robert De Niro shows up in this movie. Ian Holmes, who, of course, is uh, Bilbo Baggins. Uh, Bob Hoskins shows up in yep. this flick. And then I realized it was directed by Terry Gilliam, who, of course, uh, was uh, one of uh, many of the Python, Monte Python oh, crew. Yeah. Um, so it's just, you know, if, if you get these guys together in a room, you can kind of begin to see the movie that might emerge from these folks. And uh, it's really incredible. Let me just read the IMDb description, and then we're going to dive in. Here is the IMDb description of Brazil. A bureaucrat in a retro future world tries to correct an, an tries to correct an administrative error and becomes an enemy of the state. There's literally a bug in the system. Literally. Okay, <laughs> Li- literally a bug in the system. All right, Kate. Uh, I really want to hear what you think about Brazil. What what were, what are your thoughts on this film? So the one line answer to that is it's weird, delightful, and absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's good. Yes. That's good. That's a good way to start. I agree. Fully agree. Okay. Well, hang on. So we'll, we'll stop you there. Let's get okay. a one sentence uh, thought process. Tyler, do you have a, a wonderfully curated one sentence uh, like Kate did? She came prepared for class, Tyler. <laughs> are you prepared for class? It is bonkers it and is I love bonkers it. yeah I, I love this so much i i oh yeah so mine's not curated other than it is bonkers love it, it is bonkers it is bonkers mm-hmm. yeah and, and i fully agree i would say uh it is brilliant it is wacky it is strange and somehow i could not stop watching it absolutely mm-hmm. All right, Kate, tell us more. So that was your one sentence thought. What 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 about this film were you drawn to? What you know, what did you think? 
I do want to give one other piece of framework to this film, which I did not know going in. It is actually the second in a trilogy of films that uh, the director put out. Um, What? I did not know this. Sort of an imagination trilogy. Isn't that what he called it? Right. It's not a trilogy in the sense of the original Star Wars trilogy where there's like direct sequels, but thematically um, it's uh, very intentionally a trilogy. The first one is Time Bandit. The film with Sean Connery, uh, uh, I think Shelley Duvall may be in there. There's like a bunch of people you know. And that one's the childhood take on um, the sort of weirdness of reality uh, being elusive in a state of mind. The middle one, Brazil, is actually a middle-aged perspective on it. Um, And then the final film, oh, I just totally blinked. Oh, uh, The Uh, Adventures Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Munchausen, yes, that's the final one, which is theoretically an old age um, take on that one. So um, that was a surprise to me. I've actually seen Time Bandit, though it's been so long I don't really remember much about it. Um, so really I'll need to see one more film to complete the set. So, Well, he even, he even wow. actually adds that it's it's part of another uh, thematic trilogy of his uh, with, 12, with 12 Monkeys from 1995 and The Zero Theorem from 2013 as well. So supposedly it's another... It's kind of the crux of these two trilogies. All right, you guys are blowing my mind. This is this is unbelievable. Okay, all right, all right. I'm having a hard time. I feel like I've just seen The Empire Strikes Back, and I didn't see the first Star Wars or go go but on to the Jedi. So, but they're thematic trilogies. I, so I you, don't, you don't have I to. Understand. Yeah, I and, get it. I'm, I'm just saying when you say this is a middle of a trilogy, I was like, wait, what have I done? All right. Yeah, yeah it's cool. like a great way of pointing out the fact that this movie has so many layers to it, more than yeah. you'll yeah. ever get on one viewing. Um, yeah. I plan on rewatching it several times. Yeah. Uh, both for that purpose and because there were so many little uh, dialogue one-liner jewels that were absolutely hilarious mm. um, throughout this. That I just thought the writing was was brilliant. You know, compress quickly if you hold out too long, you can jeopardize right. your credit rating. Like, it was just yes, the best. yeah, yes. So um, this movie has been described. Uh, by John Scalzi and others as a dystopian satire. And I think that's uh, a certainly very appropriate way of, of uh, summing it up as well. Um, there is a very surface, simple story of, uh, you know, the underdog, Jonathan Price, our main character, um, character who has romantic dreams that are very different than the boring, awful life that he is living. And those dreams are what inspires him to break out of his boring existence. But in the end, spoiler alert, the state always wins. The mind-numbing bureaucracy. Yeah. You cannot escape. Um, There was apparently a huge battle between... um, um, uh, I think it was Universal was the studio uh, for the U.S. release of it. They wanted to um, cut the ending of it, change it, make it uh, more audience-friendly. People got up and walked out for this movie. There was a whole controversy around that that is part of the lore of this film's history. Interesting. Um, and Which in I can see that. That's off-putting. Right. But in a way, <laughs> there's a sort of cool meta thing happening because in the movie they're fighting this awful bureaucracy right. and then in reality trying to get the movie out there in its actual form they're fighting this giant organization that has more power than the creatives in it so that, yeah. that's going on too um I, I found so many things that i'm not even sure really where to start um but i did want to point out um um, for those who enjoy um, dystopic, that this was jokingly called 1984 and a half 
for a yeah. while because of the inspirations there. Um, I also felt like there were several scenes that were so Charles Dickens, like I couldn't stop seeing it. Um, an example of that would be um, uh, Sam Lauer needing his air conditioning fixed, but you have to have yeah. the right form and, <laughs> and getting the right form done. That was like the middle of great expectations uh, right there. Um, lots of really great stuff with that. Um, I think though that um, uh, the comedy is what makes this movie really work. The comedy is exquisitely timed, everything you'd expect from a python. Um, the uh, dialogue is absolutely brilliant. The physical comedy that um, Jonathan Price does, like the whole scene with his new office where the, the desk yeah. that goes through the wall, fighting yes. over that. Yes. That was utterly brilliant and hilarious. It was kind of like a Charlie Chaplin routine updated for the future. It, it was it was outstanding. I yeah. loved his mother getting her sort of face oh looked. She's getting gosh. like her face saran wrapped. That was the best and so disturbing. Right. Um, yes. What what an odd with, way to introduce or a horrible way to introduce a character. I mean, this is yeah. the, the first moment you meet his mom and she's got this skin peeled back on her face and they're just describing the processes in order to make that. It, it is. Yeah. It's really off putting, <laughs> which is another theme that runs throughout this, this film too. This, this is a many layered movie. It's, it's great. Right. Yes. And those scenes with his mother, did you notice how much color they had? Yeah. Whereas his apartment, his workplace, they are all dull gray. They are awful. Right. It says a lot about where, um, where you uh, are yeah wealth and yeah yeah how much how, where the money is how many colors there are and then if you're poor you've got shades of gray yeah absolutely absolutely she uh, she every time reminded me of a character from uh the hunger games she was from the capital in the hunger games <laughs> that's true oh, it felt like that's that true so that's perfect that is that that is a modern kind of i, I feel like even it, it must have been something that was uh taken from this movie because i mean it, it is you're right now that you've said it, it almost seems right? obvious well like one of the things trinkets mom yeah well uh -huh. yes exactly it, once we <laughs> we'll, we'll save this i think for later but there's so many seeds uh, you know this D, this movie's dna is all over everywhere. science fiction it's great yeah. it's everywhere and not just science fiction and comics apparently it strongly influenced tim burton's creation of batman absolutely too. it did yeah 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 I don't want to go on too long for my thoughts because I can keep talking about it. But Tyler, what were your thoughts on this movie? Wait, before we do that, Kate, yeah. I want to get real quick and I want to clarify for our audience. You had not seen this movie before we we watched it for this, correct? That's correct. None of us have. So yeah, okay. yeah. that's right. why yeah. I, just, one. I wanted to make sure that we said that because I just realized that we hadn't hadn't done that. All right, Tyler, go. Uh, lots of the same things. I, I think this movie is, is so interesting in the things that it's trying to say about um, – about uh, bureaucracy, about government, about society, it's absolutely 1984. I mean, in fact, uh, Terry Gillum in an interview basically said, I wanted to call it 1984, uh, or 1984 and a half, but they had just put out the, the movie 1984, and I forget who directed that the year before, and he said, well, I you know I can't do that now. So um, I, I just, I think it's so brilliant in what it tries to do. Um, I, I think it works better than Blade Runner in some of the things that it's trying mm -hmm. to do and talk about society. Although I think I like the aesthetic of Blade Runner just a little bit more, but it's maybe just a more refined version. Um, it's uh, Jonathan Price, who's not a guy I've generally loved, um, is 
absolutely perfect in this. You know, I'm I'm used yes. to him being the crazy over the top guy in Pirates of the Caribbean or the Bond villain in Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Um, and in this, we get this. I mean, he's still over the top, but he's restrained. And and, and so when he does go wacky, mm-hmm. it actually feels really good. He's pitch perfect um, in this. He absolutely is. Uh, this is a movie that is is. Uh, like we've already talked about, is trying to really speak against a totalitarian, you know, government that is trying to rule all of our lives. Um, but instead of taking the guy who is going, the the hero who's going to topple the the government, he's he's the chosen one kind of a guy. He's just a paper pusher who somehow you know threatens the the security of this government by basically changing the a form at one point. It's it's great. Um, and the the big terrorist is. Uh, is a plumber or not a plumber, a heating guy. You know, that's, that's our big scary guy is he, he, he will fix your heater for you on time and, and well, unregistered, you know? no less. unregistered. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think that kind of stuff is great, especially knowing this comes from England, you know, which is, uh, you know, a country that does have quite a lot more, you know, of regulations and bureaucracy than, than the U S does. And, and, um, I, I would say Terry Gillum is reacting to that in, in a lot of ways. So it's, Hello, I Maggie love Thatcher. Right. Oh, <laughs> <coughs> Ooh, pardon me. Um, yeah, that's, I think absolutely. Um, he works in the ministry of information, which is incredibly big brother, um, all over the place. Did you notice the propaganda everywhere? Yes. That says, Oh, of course. Yeah. Right? In fact, this reminded me of advertisements. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of starship troopers too, like oh, in totally. this way in which it was very much in your face. Like, this movie is absurdist. It is yes. completely just, just like Starship Troopers. Yeah. This is this falls in that in, in that same genre of it's crazy, oh, yeah. it's absurd, it's wearing it right on its sleeve. Yeah, yeah. Well, totally. and, dare and I say noticing... though that it's better than Starship Troopers? I mean, that's that's inflammatory. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying like the style uh, that it is, it is so, you know, on, on its sleeve. We were talking yeah. about like, whether another movie that fits mm-hmm. in that, that, that kind of genre that Starship Troopers fits so nicely into. I would say this definitely falls, you know, close, closer to Starship Troopers. It is not an action movie, uh, <laughs> no. but it is, right. but it is very much in that same realm of, you know, it's got something to say. It's pretty obvious. It's not really. Oh, yeah. It's not a whole lot like under the surface. There's a lot under the surface. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that the the main. If you don't get what it's saying, you are you're purposefully not right. listening. I, right. When he wins it's, in the end, the building. I mean, theoretically, wins in the end uh, before he wakes up. Or yeah, I was gonna say he just, uh, <laughs> But like, but no, when you think, see the same movie I did, did you watch won. the director's cut or something? No. I don't know. Okay. No, but when when you think he's won in the end, right? The the yeah. bureau, the building blows up, the Ministry of Information blows up, and turns into forms instead of rubble ra- raining down. It's forms raining down. Yes. And uh, and and anyway, well, we can get into the end in a bit, but it's it, it is so on the nose. Um, but I, I can't believe I didn't say this. Yeah, you 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 hit it right on the head. It's a, it's absurdist. This is co-written by Tom Stoppard, right? Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah. Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are, are dead. This is this is the guy who I don't I don't know if he invented the theater of the absurd, but basically <laughs> uh, basically put it you know put it on the map. So yeah, yeah. this almost like the weird nerdy cousin at the family reunion. Oh, for sure. And I didn't like it for the first five minutes, our first ten minutes. I was like, this is stupid. I don't want to watch this. How are you two making me watch this? And then <laughs> it's our and, fault. <laughs> it is. Always. It was your fault. And then I stopped because I, I take notes when I'm watching these sometimes and I stopped taking notes and I just 
kind of let it happen. Mm. And it was so, it was so great. And I just had a big smile. And then, you know, yeah, about, about an hour and 45 minutes in, then I started checking the clock, but still. <laughs> yeah. Like when is, what, what are we, when are we going to be done? Yeah, it does. Yeah. The, the, the runtime definitely does start to, you start to feel that. Yeah. Uh, it, I it's, did it it's in a two little, sittings. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. You did. That's right. Yeah, I don't blame you. It is it is wonderful and it's great, but you it does start you does start to feel like okay, I get it, I get it. Yeah, no, I understand where we're going. Um, yeah, totally. Are right, any other thoughts, Tyler? Um, before I give my kind of no, I think I think you go for yours and then we let's dig into some of the the deeper thematic stuff after you give your overview. Yeah, I mean, what I was when I started to watch this film, it felt a lot like. Uh, another series of because I didn't realize the connection with Monty Python. Mm. Um, I just didn't didn't realize that until after I'd finished the film. But while I was watching it, it reminded me a lot of A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Which you know I love those books, and I really actually enjoyed the film as well. Although it's not nearly as great as the books, of course. But th- that idea of um, telling using science fiction to an absurd level to point out things that are happening in you know culture right now is just it's it's wonderful it is it is it's it's an it's an amazing art to be able to see someone do that and do it well i mean and, that's the know, essence of sci-fi right that's pure sci-fi yeah i mean to a certain degree to a certain degree i'd say sometimes science fiction can be a little bit more subtle in that like Oh, I didn't get that that alien was represent. You know, the Cardassians are representing the <laughs> Nazis, and oh, I mean, uh, uh, the, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm way off. The Bajorans. I, I want to see whatever. No, whatever. Uh, the Bajorans whatever are the Jews, movie. and the Cardassians are the Nazis. That's I, that. I want Kardashians are Kardashians. representing the Nazis. <laughs> and you know like, what, wow, Kim? I, I Kim has really movie. has really changed, and uh, we're starting to see some really some horrible things from her anyway so yeah that just those kinds of things are are sometimes under the surface this is obviously not that this is bright in your face um crazy but then there are some things like what was the samurai dude you know what i mean like what did that what are the what are the tubes that are running everywhere what is that kind of and it's just an interesting interesting world it feels I would not say it feels realistic in any way, shape, or form. It's not something that could ever actually, quote-unquote, happen. But it is wonderful to be able to watch and understand and say, okay, yeah, I get it, that, you know, this can be a little bit absurd. The workplace, people can go way over over overboard with the form that needs the form that needs the form and you can't identify a body and you need a receipt and like all this kind of like where the bureaucracy can become so cold that humanity no longer is human you know what Mm -hmm. i mean you don't view a person as a person you view them as a number or uh the thing you got to get through in order to accomplish the task or the goal and i did laugh out loud when a bug at the beginning of this movie literally falls like we said before from the ceiling into a typewriter and you know changes the what is it the b to a t or whatever that is and uh, what was it again what was the names Tuttle becomes Buttle. Tuttle yeah. becomes Buttle. Which is you a know, great vis- you know, verbal pun play there, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. man. It, it's just, it's it's one of those just really great, just, it's silly, it's stupid, it's dumb. But at the same time, 
the family that loses the husband, yeah. you kind of feel like this is terrible. Yeah. What? You know what I mean? Like they, it, it, it does a good job of you shining a light on the fact that sometimes law and rule and order and bureaucracy can become so big and so powerful and so yeah. helpful that mm-hmm. it does no good whatsoever. And we see this throughout this entire film. I love that like the opening scene I think of this movie is like these silos that are painted with clouds on them. Right, so right. maybe you wouldn't realize that, you know, that the environment has been like destroyed. So we're just going to paint some clouds on these, you know, uh, yeah. these silos. And, you know, like you said before, you know, people are really obsessed with their look. And so mm-hmm. they go to the, these extreme um, cosmetic surgeries and they're just slowly killing themselves. Like you're watching, there's one character, one woman, older woman in this character, it's literally killing herself, but she keeps being told that she's looking fine and she's looking better and eventually be okay. But you just know that she's just, she's slowly, slowly dying. And then, you know, we see her funeral. So it's it's like an insane- that she has melted basically because of all this, right? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. She's so obsessed with something that does not matter uh, Mm -hmm. that she doesn't. Oh, and then there's a scene that is wonderful that is kind of, so absurdist and so dumb but it does tell the story of what this is trying to say they're sitting there having dinner in this high-end restaurant yeah yeah and then there a bomb goes off mm-hmm. and people are dying and you know there's you know it's a horrific scene of violence but they the people that work in this restaurant are very quick to like shield everybody else and pretend like that actually didn't happen yeah. and apologize for the mess of people that are now in pain and in suffering and we just don't want to we don't want to look at that it's more important yeah. that we keep you know appearances the way they should be right. that we follow decorum that we follow and understand like and they're being served like slop. It's disgusting but stuff. But they're calling it steak and things, but it yes. looks nasty. It looks like the stuff from the Matrix that they, yeah. that they eat. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I love all of that. The, the, this world is is so well thought out in terms of trying to tell you something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not well thought out in like, this is a world that feels real. Here's it how it works. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't yeah. feel real at all. Yeah. And like you said, like, it doesn't work. These, these The pieces don't really fit together. No. Like, if you start no. to... If you were to sit here and think like, well, wait a minute, how Let's could that guy do world. this guy yeah. and get that? None of that works. It is much yeah. more interested in pointing out the ridiculousness of yeah. modern living, and I think it's brilliant for that. Uh, it yeah. is. It's really great. It's unlike any. It's 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 it's, it's it really is. Now, another thing. Does anybody, do we know why it's called Brazil? I no. I was. I hadn't. I was going to ask you guys. <laughs> we do, and I think it makes more sense in British culture than it does in American culture. Okay. Because there's an actual old like film. There's you actually hear the the music to the actual song Brazil throughout yes. this movie, and you get the words oh, to that, it late I did in look the that movie. Up. Yeah. Sorry, say that again. But so, so I know I know we hear the word the music from Brazil, but why why name the the movie that? Well, the name of the I feel like the the name of the movie is a little bit of a turn in left field because it just doesn't make sense why they, it doesn't tell you what the movie's about unless you know the original uh, uh, film Brazil where the the music comes from the original story well the original song named Brazil rather the the original film wasn't named that and so it's like if you don't have that cultural reference you don't get it and so all you're left with is the lyrics of the song as an American watching this to go well, okay and- well the lyrics I kind of get that but it's a really weird title to choose. Yeah, and looking looking at that, it looks like the the guy who wrote the the song, 
uh, and again, this is my deep research that I have done just now, um, <laughs> says that he wanted to, to, uh, he wanted to, to be free essentially of the tragedies of life. And, yeah. and that's kind of where that, where that goes from. And so I, I guess that, that sort of, um, let's see, I'm even looking at the, the, uh, the lyrics here, but yeah, it looks like he's, he's essentially just trying to get away from the tragedies of life. He's going to sing his way, uh, away from the tragedy of life. And so, I oh, mean, that's it, interesting. So I it's wonder like if that's if you, kind it's of like it. If you called Hamlet Yorick, you'd be like, okay, why would you pick Yorick as the name? I mean, yeah. you know, thematically okay, but it's just, it feels weird if you don't have that reference in place. Yeah, absolutely. I, you're right. I think that yeah, might be what's put a lot of people off from seeing this film because when you say, have you you know seen it? A lot of people have heard it. Almost nobody's seen it that I've talked to right. about it. And the title just confuses everybody. Because yeah. it has nothing to do with the country. It has right. nothing to do really with South America. Sure, maybe there's, it just has, it, it is literally, it should not be called, I mean, I, I, mean, I well, guess that's, that's. And that's a Tom Stoppard thing, right? Like that's, or that's an absurdist thing as well. We're just going to slap this on there, I think. Yeah, but I feel like that even, it, uh, you can be absurdist, but at some level you do have to be at least approachable. Like you have, you know what I mean? Like in the title of your film, it just, it just seems so odd to me. Are you all right? Well, I think it's because he's, I think it's because he's humming that at the very end. I, I didn't even put that together. That's the thing he's humming. He's humming it. Whenever he hits the elevator alphabets to do the code, it's actually the, the the soundtrack to Brazil that the buttons are playing out like everywhere in there. And yeah. I think no, I, I think that's that's it, right? Like that's it's the thing that he's lost in his own fantasy at the end of being away from it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is interesting because we, we bring this up that that is what I guess he's most interested in is running away from. Perhaps there's a uh, a poster that that is outside one of the many apartment buildings that, uh, that he goes into, uh, and it's uh, a, a, an advertisement. This poster is an advertisement for a top security holiday camp. Oh, right. You can, re- you can relax without fear. You can have fun without suspicion, and you can relax in a panic-free yep. atmosphere, <laughs> which obviously, it. like, that—that that is it's prevalent in this society is this unknown, like, it's at any moment in time, who knows Terrorists. what's going to happen to you. Yeah. Terrorists are going to hit you, or you're going to, you know, your AC is going to blow up, and there's no way you can fix it, and... Yeah. And yet that's, I think, what makes the film actually still relatable today in a way, you know? Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of terrifying because it's horribly predictive 30 plus years later. And I think yeah. anywhere where there are governments behaving in in these ways, it's going to be a highly relevant film. And that's why this this film does work is because it's not trying to predict the future from 1985's perspective. It's more no. about uh, the feeling of what's happening in 1985. This movie's much more interested in feelings yeah. than mm-hmm. it is about right. like actual story. Does that make right. sense? I guess that's oh, yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's more about that feeling you get, that that unsuredness, that 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 fear, that yeah. despair, that whatever it is. And we all relate to that. This, this right. isn't something that's going away. I think away. that's the heart of this film's success is that it gets at core emotional feelings um, and communicates them so that the absurdism and the brilliance of it aren't just this coldly intellectual thing it, because it right. hones in on the on the fears or in the case, the desire to escape. Anyone who enjoys the Dilbert mm. comic knows exactly yeah. what this yeah. film, you know, that, that addresses the same set of feelings. Um, and so because it has an emotional heart that remains relatable, I think, oh, well, I'm kind of previewing my end argument for why you should watch this film, but this is a big <laughs> piece of it. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think, 
I think also because Jonathan Price is this this interesting Sam Lowry is the character's name is this interesting sort of everyman mm-hmm. almost, but he's also not like he's he's a really intriguing character because uh, tell me if if you just didn't read this the same way I did, but um his dreams do not match up with the way that he acts. Right, like he keeps slipping oh, yeah. in and out of of this, uh, you know, he's he's slipping in and out of this weird fantasy where he's flying around in this weird winged in armor in this hero, but yep. he but he doesn't act even as though that's his fantasy. Like it almost it, he acts as though he's accidentally falling into this fantasy because he refuses a promotion. He refuses to 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 do anything else. He he kind of gets distracted by finding her but it's not even finding her to do anything finding this girl who is in his dreams who witnessed the abduction of the guy who was mistakenly labeled buttle instead of tuttle but he's not it's not as though he has this secret dream that he's fostering of taking down the government right it's not about fostering anything for him i think he is aggressively who and what he is in his exactly oh yeah and he's not looking to overthrow anything and anything that happens is entirely accidental exactly yeah and i think it's the fact that the system will take care of it like take itself down basically he is an unfortunate byproduct and the conversation he has with his boss, he actually gives a reason. He he says, "I don't want a promotion because then I have more responsibility and right. thus have less freedom." Right. Yeah. Like he oh, he, he he actually w- likes where he is. Yeah. The only reason why he does take a promotion is because he feels like it might actually lead to he the can girl. get infor- more information about her. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. True. And That's and true. so I, I I'm I'm not sure that he had any interest in becoming anything. In fact, I think mm. that's what he felt. I I think he was really just he felt free. He felt like he was yeah. above the clouds. He had these wings and all this stuff. And he does above the bureaucracy and the, you know, the, the evils that are on the ground. And then it's the moment that, you know, he gets down there and gets his wings clipped and all that kind of stuff. It is because he has fallen into this trap. Right. right. I mean, he's, he's yeah. fallen into this bureaucracy and, and uh, uh, the, the, the cog and just become a part of part of the machine. Yeah. I love it. And he intrigues me. That, that, that same scene you were describing before when uh, when the restaurant is being blown up all around him. And, yes. and I think it's his mom says, um, Sam, will you do something about these terrorists? Yeah. And he says, <laughs> yes. uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, no, it's my great. lunch hour. <coughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's the perfect bureaucratic answer. You know, it's not, it's my lunch hour. I'm not going to, I don't have anything to do. You know, yep. it's, it is so interesting that, uh, you know, this whole society that they have, you know, everybody there, and, and we've—I would assume—we've all worked our nine-to-five jobs where we're, we're, we do not have a care beyond the doors of our office. You know, whether it was your whatever this job you have now or, or whatever. I think that's what's so relatable about this is—is is I know those people. It, it is five o'clock. You cannot keep me in this building. Mm-hmm. I am leaving. You know, and even even you know they're they're walking out and he's staying thirty seconds late and his boss comes up and he's like they're gonna turn the lights out on us we have to go, you know right. there's there's no option to be to be the better man to be the savior of all things he's nope he's gotta get out. Yeah, yeah and no. in my day job I work in the book world where I'm supplying those fantasies in between the covers right. of a paperback or a DVD case. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
Um, and yeah. I mean, yeah, you and I worked together at, for a while. You know, we were at a, a library and it was, you know, whatever time it was, it was six o'clock. We are out of that door. Don't you dare keep me in. We are going to boot the people out physically, you know, <laughs> and lock the door behind them. It was, it's nuts. So it's, uh, which yeah. there's, a, there's a place for it, but if that becomes your, if that defines mm-hmm. your life, then, um, you know, then you have the, the problem. If, if the inside of that defines your life, then we've got a problem. Yeah, looking a little closer at his fantasy, specifically about, uh, what was her name? Jill Layton, the woman. Yeah. Um, the juxtaposition between who she is, you know, this this super short haircut, cigarette hanging out of her mouth, you know, driving <laughs> this big truck. Nothing like his fantasy version until... The, uh, the floating blonde goddess who's, <laughs> like, in a bedsheet in the sky. <laughs> right. And at first, I, at first I found it troubling. So I'm like, okay, is this going to yeah. be some stupid damsel in distress, no woman of any real interest? And then it, it totally takes it a different direction with making it very clear she is not how he's fantasizing about her. But then further, there's actually little comments about women throughout. I haven't gone back to find it, but in one of the review sites I was reading, uh, well, as I was prepping for this and thinking it through, apparently there's a train scene where the the uh, all the seats are filled with men, but in the background somewhere there's a woman standing, and then a pregnant oh, woman yeah. standing, and then like a yes. one-legged pregnant woman. Like it's it's sort of subtly making that point about how women are viewed in that world as well. Yeah. And so um, I really appreciated that that is written into there as well. That that it confronts the sexism through humor and just how it stacks the scene up. So if you happen to notice it, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah, and and she's with that. She's a super intriguing character, and and there's a, a scene where she actually in real life dresses up as his fantasy, not knowing mm-hmm. this, right? right? And then and and it's this you know the the big moment they're about to sleep together, and then the cops <laughs> come in and, and break it all up because it's that that re, that he fantasy can't is get so what false. he really wants he exactly. Can't. No, he, you no, that that is a re- <laughs> yeah. You're not gonna get that. That that is kind of the point of this entire movie, though. Is like at the very end. This is spoilers, obviously. Hopefully, you have. If you haven't seen the movie, you need to go see it. And we've already spoiled a bunch of stuff. So <laughs> we had spoiled, we spoiled the end in like the first thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah. But I, what, I, what I will say is, is that you know you even at the end of this movie you realize. He's not going to win. Like this no. movie, yeah. it, 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 it was not about winning. It was not. It, it, it can't be. Like even if you think you're in this, fa- you, you, it's just a fantasy. You're, yeah. You cannot survive against Big Brother. You just you won't no. be able to do yeah. it. And yet, no, I did it's... not leave this film depressed, which is kind of amazing because right? its message is absolutely awful. Yeah, it's yeah. it is not. Uh, it is not 1984. It is not, you know, name, insert dystopia, you know, Fahrenheit here. 451. It's not that. It's not um, Anthem, for those who have read that. It's a fantastic one, and it's shorter than that garbage book, 1984, that it, nobody should read except everybody should read because it's... Wow, I hate, I, hate, Wait, I hate it. Whoa, I hate whoa, it. Whoa, hang, hang on a second. Hang on. Yeah. Wait, stop, stop, I stop, hate stop, 1984. Stop. <laughs> you, okay, all right. So you are, you are saying you hate... It's an important book. But I say, no, yeah. I just want to make sure that we're clear here. You're what you're saying on this podcast is I your position it. is George Orwell's 1984 it's is garbage. trash. Okay, good. It's, I just want to make garbage. sure I'm clear. It's okay. garbage for those for those who like to read, but for people who um, <laughs> wow, <laughs> <that's just laughs> but for. <laughs> But for, for people who want to really... So, hang on. Tyler's not stuck up at all, ladies and gentlemen. He's just, you know, he just right all the time. He's got these opinions that are actually not opinions. They're just this facts. This is a fact, guys. I, yeah. It's yeah. a fact. People He's just disagree with me. He's also a high school teacher, and that's what they do. So, you know. 
I I didn't have my kids read 1984. I have them read Anthem by by Ayn Rand because I think it, it gets the point across in 94 oh. pages or something like that. Ayn and Rand, uh, and Rand, Rand. Okay. okay, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Ayn Rand before George Orwell. I think those are Not two very like different. Just, ugh, I can't stand points of ugh. view, and I, I feel like I'm slowly whittling down an understanding who Tyler is. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's, it's rough. <laughs> i stand by it it's fine all right okay we've gotten way off the tracks so we can have this conversation Entirely. off uh, <laughs> off here we can we can talk about it later but okay so i mean i feel like we've discussed this uh pretty well is there any other points we want to talk about before we say this is uh needed for geek cred or not to be on your geek card i know we, kate you oh, sorry go ahead what we're we gonna say tell her i was gonna say can we talk about this dna found kind of in other places we've sort of mentioned something sure there where but, where else do you guys see it? Brazil? Yeah. So this is a good question because I didn't I haven't looked in the history of film. I don't know where this lands, but of course when you look at things like I said, Next even season. Starship Troopers, and then you look at like um, things like uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, at least the look of that film feels very similar to this. So that kind of like, you know, zoomed in, like uh, farcical um, look is just yeah, it's it's in a lot of places. I'd have to give me a second. Give me a second to think about that. What do you have, Tyler? Or well, Kate? I'm looking really quick at the at the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. When was it actually published? It was like 1979. I'm talking about the film more than I am the. Uh, but are you you're saying that the books were published after Brazil? No, uh, no. So 1979 was oh, okay. was uh, yeah. the the book. The film adaptation it was like 90. Oh, the, I'm, the miniseries was was earlier, I guess, and then I, I was thinking about the one that came, yeah, the early, the one that was released in theaters, not the two thousand five, BBC, yeah, yeah, two thousand five. But you know, I just I mean, oh, there's a lot, there's a lot that that this actually does fall on. I think. So you said Blade Runner, but Blade Runner's before this, right? Blade, Blade Runner's Runner. what eighty two, I think. Yeah. Um. Blade Runner was three years before, and because there was a lot of comparisons yeah, between the movies and the, the, the way the endings were changed between the two of them. Um, steampunk culture, a lot of it traces back to this yeah. film. It was hugely inspirational for that bit of subculture. Which, Absolutely. As a side note, is kind of a brilliant part about this film because you know it's it's not truly by being retro futuristic and yeah. so absurdly detailed in how that works. It actually. Make keeps the fantasy intact rather than taking you out of it because it's trying to be a future that turns out to be not accurate, if, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Blade Runner doesn't look, the future doesn't look like that. You know what I mean? Right. But this is so absurdist and so nuts that it doesn't really, it's obviously a fantasy world. This is much more of a fantasy film than like a yeah. sci-fi predictive absolutely. Uh, well, I never spend time thinking of how that how this world in in Brazil works, right? Yeah, it right. Just yeah. Is you shouldn't. I, I don't know if the and there's connection... a lot of heating ducts. That's what I know. So. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if there's an intentional connection <coughs> or not, but from Doctor Who, um, in the face of Bell mm. episode with Cassandra, where her face yeah. is a giant skin piece, I thought a lot I felt about that too. the mom in this. I thought in Star point. Trek Star Trek Insurrection, Ruffo, the the dude with the yes. who gets his face stretched too, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good. It point. feels it feels very Clockwork Orange as well, yeah. uh, particularly with the with the brainwashing thing in the end. And, and remind me, I, now I, again, another thing I hate is Clockwork Orange. I think it's it's way too rapey for anybody. But um, but Clockwork Orange does it end with the same? Does it end with him being also brainwashed? I, I believe. I don't remember. I think it does in the Which end. Which is kind of <laughs> ironic. 
Right, yeah. Right. I haven't seen a Clockwork Orange. Don't watch it. It's garbage. This is, I will not make you watch it for this. This is, And I would rather have you read 1984 than watch Clockwork Orange, if that makes you. I've, if that tells you how I feel. Oh, okay. I think you're saying, and I've read 1984, just so we're clear, but you're saying yeah. if you were given the two options, 1984, I, even though you think long. it's absolute trash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, listeners who, who listen to every episode of the podcast, you are getting your next clue for Tyler's garbage list that we were making simultaneously <laughs> to the, the geek card list. Yeah. Wow. I don't want to know what you think of Ray Bradbury's uh, Fahrenheit 451. Oh, I love Fahrenheit 451. Okay, good. Yeah. Oh, I haven't oh, seen good. the new we movie yet. Have, have any of us, have any of us <laughs> seen the new movie? Huh? I, Did we see the new movie with Michael B. Jordan? I, I have. haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it. I would that might be an interesting one, especially because it's, it's not getting great out. reviews, which is why oh, I didn't not? hurry. Oh man, which made me I, sad because I, I like love... Fahrenheit Fifty One. I love the actor, but yeah, oh, it's fine. Sad. It's fine. It is, okay. but it's it is. It feels like a direct to TV. There's not really a whole lot of substance there, and it's it's that's a pretty bummer. And it's yeah. not a miniseries, right? It's a movie. Yeah. It's a movie. Oh, yeah, it's like an hour sad. and a half long, and oh. they go on like some for some reason they go off on weird tangents, and I'm just like, what? Mm. Why? Why are we? Why are we doing this? Like, yeah, why, why are you just asking? It's the book I read in high school and went. Now I want to go out and memorize all my favorite books just right? to be safe. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh, that's yeah, a yeah. great one. I mean, th- those points do happen. All those, all all the beats the happen. It, it is it is a recognizable. Uh, Fahrenheit four five one film, but anyway, okay, sorry, we're, we're off on we're off on this other tangent. So, okay, yeah. So, uh, Clockwork Orange, Dark City is is v- definitely visible in all of this. Uh, oh, the 12, Matrix, the Matrix, the Matrix for that, yeah, for sure. yeah. Um, Twelve Monkeys, even I mean, which is Terry Gilliam, which I didn't yeah. even know. Honestly, I did not connect the same director. I just forgot who he, that he had written it or that he had directed that one. But for sure, Hunger Games, like I said. Um, I, for me, I mean, I know we're, we haven't gotten fully into cases yet, but th- this this tells me 100% it's a it's a required viewing. Just mm. it, it is its DNA is all over it. It's immensely watchable. It's it's yeah. great. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, Kate, how about you? Closing arguments slash where do you think it falls as far as geek cred? So um, I think this is essential viewing for the hardcore fan of science fiction and for the casual fan try it anyways uh you will be surprised i think um it is kind of an eloquent chaos you know as we talked about before the uh you're not don't worry about the plot making particular sense no. uh don't worry too closely about the character arcs thematically though it, it, when i say that you know this is a great theme film that sounds like a very nerdy film you know critic or our art film kind of thing to say but it's a really accessible version of an art film um mm. and so there's something i think both for people who want art films and for those who just want an enjoyable film with some stuff to laugh at stuff to cringe at and things to quote when you walk away when you're done yeah awesome yeah you know I don't want to give you pushback there, Kate, but I would say this might turn off a lot of people. There are several people that I know that I wouldn't really recommend this for, mm. but I think if you enjoy like um, thought pieces or like if you want to sit down and like you know have an experience that you've never had before, but I I can understand somebody watching this movie and, and within the first twenty minutes thinking this is stupid. I'm going to walk away, even though it I get what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's not that I'm not intelligent. I just don't care for the aesthetic. Yeah. You have to at least 
suspend disbelief and let the aesthetic kind of get in. And in fact, now, Tyler, you mentioned a couple of those things. There's one more that really comes to mind. It's a series on t- of television that I've been watching that I've really enjoyed. And I think this, um, the, the thought process storytelling is almost identical to Brazil. And that's uh, Rick and Morty. Have you guys I've seen Rick seen and Morty? I've not seen it, but I want no. to. I want it, is, to. it is one of the very best sci-fi shows on television right now. Uh, very, very close up. You guys need to watch Rick and Morty. What are you doing? Um, <laughs> I, isn't it's on it based Hulu? on uh, uh, Back to the Future? No. Sort of? The, 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 the dynamic of a scientific... Um, older person and a younger person is there. Oh, that's but it. Oh, I, beyond that, said it, was that. Okay. it has nothing to do with <laughs> back to the future. It was originally built like the, the characters were originally made to be a back to the future, like fan film cartoon thing. Yeah. And then they realized, Oh, this is actually really good. Let's drop that altogether and do something completely new with these character models. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just, it's just that relationship is the only thing you, this is Rick. I mean, Brazil feels very similar to Rick and Morty. So if you are a fan of Rick and Morty, you're listening to this and you haven't seen Brazil, which we've already ruined, uh, you should definitely see this. But the people that I know that have watched Rick and Morty, um, I, I would definitely recommend this too because it is that kind of absurdist, nuts, stupid, could never actually happen, but it's actually saying something and it's some really great sci-fi. So mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this does remind me a lot of Rick and Morty. And you guys cool. should watch the first like, three or four episodes of Rick and Morty. Uh, I think huh. you would you'd appreciate it, uh, especially if you appreciate this. 